Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrooks. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more. The fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, begambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. This is a game day podcast from TalkSport. Hello you, 52 days since the last Premier League football match and just as it looks like the first tentative steps towards the next match have been taken, FIFA's medical officer cocks an eyebrow. The latest on the Premier League plans coming up. If you just skipped on from Dimitar Berbatov's upfront documentary, stick with us. Uh, we've got some great names that will make the news. A sceptical Brighton captain, Glenn Murray, Watford captain, Troy Deeney, Man City captain, Fernandinho, and ex-Liverpool and Saints man, Ricky Lambert, all on the show this week. It's going to be a hell of a lot of people, which I think could potentially put people at risk. We just we just dominated teams throughout the season. It was a pleasure. I, I That's one of my best seasons I've enjoyed as a footballer. When the public come back to the stadium, to watch the games, the Premier League games. It's going to be one of the happiest moments for everyone. I just want to get back to it. The thing that's been interesting to me is to see how, how much football dominates everything. Also this week, high five. FIFA proposes more subs to get through the fixture congestion and our attempt to adopt a German team takes off. We've got the latest on the Bundesliga as well. Rafa and Jose, no problem for Ian Danta, but he fails in his latest mission. And Kevin Hatchard enters commentary confinement. This is Game Day from TalkSport. This is Game Day. Hello to one and all, and what a show we have today, Crook. It's packed, isn't it? Laura Woods talking to Fernandinho, you talking to Ricky Lambert, me talking to Troy Deeney, and we have a story to tell you about a virtual night out that we both had with Troy a little bit later on. Hmm. Anything happened special to you this week? Uh, no, do you know what? It's been another busy one. Um, I always wake up on a Monday morning and think, how am I going to feel this this period, but I've uh, been doing lots of interviews, as you mm. say, with various people for Talk Sport, appearing on various shows. I think I've been on Jim White's show every day. I've got up at quarter to six in the morning, two days in a row. Ooh, what uh, was that to like? Join Laura. You usually breakfast. don't get in until quarter to six. I, I do it two days a week for breakfast. Read read the papers for them, which I love, but I don't enjoy the early start. No, I have to say, it absolutely whacks me out. You've also managed to fill your time by having a complete meltdown technically again today. I mean, you, you just are a, a technophobe, aren't you? Your laptop's blown up and your speakers were working. They were too loud and you just didn't realise if you just turned them down, everything would be okay. <laughs> I, I, I'm having a few technical issues today. I'm not alone in that department. But yeah, I don't, I don't handle those stressful you situations don't. very well. Nor do you, uh, by the way, because you had a meltdown on Friday before your quiz. So let's, let, let's not go down that road. It's true. It's true. I did. Um, it was my birthday this week. Happy birthday to me. Uh, and the kids bought me a bowl with the words Dad's Crisps written on it. It actually looked to me like a, a dog bowl that had been personalised, to be honest with you. But anyway, I'm grateful for it. And I have filled it with crisps several times and eaten them all. I got three bottles of whiskey and a chopping board. If that doesn't say I've started eating and drinking far too much, then I don't know what does. 
Well, I wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> uh, by the way, there are a lot more upfront documentaries on the way with Manchester United legend Andy Cole and Watford captain Troy Deeney coming very soon. And you'll see them pop up in this feed if you hit subscribe. And then that way you'll get a notification every time one drops. Alternatively, Tuesday night, 7 o'clock, Talk Sport. Right, let's get the top stories. Arsenal were the first team to go back to training this week after asking the Premier League to ask the government for permission for players to train in isolation at their facility. Premier League have been consulting broadcasters on their plans for Project Restart, which would see the resumption of top flight action on June the 8th. However, FIFA's medical officer says he's sceptical about the sport being allowed to resume while social distancing is being used to tackle the coronavirus pandemic. That's already had an impact in France. The French leagues will not resume after they follow the Netherlands in all sporting events, including behind closed doors, until September. It comes as UEFA have told leagues that they want to know by May the 25th whether they will resume their seasons or not. And the head of the Tokyo Olympics has said the event will not be postponed again if they can't hold it in 2021. They will scrap it altogether. This week we've had a lot of stories pointing to a resumption of the Premier League on June the 8th but over the last 24 hours a few things have uh, poured a little bit of cold water on that not completely washing out the possibility but tempering enthusiasm I think the positives are and we'll hear from Kevin Hatchard a little bit later uh, about the uh, the Bundesliga resumption and the processes that have been put in place there and he's got quite detailed information on that so stick with us for that but FIFA's medical officer is slightly concerned about how football is going to be played with social distancing rules in place i suppose they're going to get an exemption from that and it is being done in conjunction with the government the government from what i read and understand uh, and what i was told today is very much behind the idea of football restarting but i think there's quite a bit of skepticism amongst sporting directors and chief executives about the resumption of the uh, premier league I, I mean yesterday i think the French government making a decision which sort of took it out of the league's hands probably helped them in a way because they banned all sport even behind closed doors until September. Are you more or less positive about a resumption now? Because I must admit, over the weekend, I was reading all this Project Restart stuff. I was getting a little bit excited. Yeah, the same. Um, what's the old saying? It's the hope that kills you. Um, yeah, I was like you. Um, it looked very positive at the weekend. Everybody seemed to have a determination to get to get the job done, to get football uh, being back played again. But we're going to hear from Glenn Murray, I know, in a minute. And, and listening to him, you know, he's a player who's very articulate, he's very experienced, he's an intelligent reader of situations. I came away from that feeling much more dubious because there are issues afoot here, morally, I think, as much as economically. Yeah, I totally. understand why Premier League clubs want to get the season fulfilled, that they need to ensure they keep the television money because it's going to have a massive impact on finances if they were to have to repay any of that. Um, they want to know who's qualifying for the Champions League and the Europa League next season, which again has big financial implications. Same to promotion and relegation. But it is very difficult to really justify football restarting when there are still people on a daily basis losing their lives and not just one or two people these are big numbers of people still we're mm. still in social distancing times so I think we're going to as I say we're going to hear from Glenn in a minute but I think he makes some very valid points well let's hear from him now he spoke to Talk Sport this week and he's not sure that it's sensible to get going after all along with sort of football reopening it, it opens a lot of other avenues stewards security 
bus drivers, physios, doctors, ambulances. The list is is quite long. It, it's not just like a squad of 25 travelling and going to play another squad of 25 and, that, and that's all that's going to be involved. It's, it's going to be a hell of a lot of people, which I think could potentially put people at risk. Um, I, I've heard reports of social distancing until until the new year. I can't quite get my head around how we social distance whilst training amongst ourselves and then obviously uh, on a Saturday how you how you social distance on, on a corner kick or, or, or things like that. Yeah, and he does make some great points. And I think, you know, I think when you read these stories initially about things coming back, you get very excited because you, you want, you crave normality. But when you start thinking about it, you, you then start, it comes upon you. You know, it's a very difficult moral situation. You want to keep the economy going. So everybody wants to get back to some sort of normality in, in terms of business. But football is a very strange one because it requires physical contact. And the fact that the French are not going to play to the 1st of September, the fact that the Dutch are not going to play to the 1st of September, I understand it that two of the three remaining major leagues are probably not going to go back and play. The German league is standing out on its own at the moment and the Premier League saying that they're going to continue is as well um so look i hope we can find a safe way of working i really do i want it to come back more than anybody else i'm sure you know everybody who who loves football wants it but it has to be done in a safe way and in a sensible way and i think if you're if you're too frivolous and you're seen to be starting football just because you need the money then i think that ultimately long term it's going to do a hell of a lot of damage to the sport As we know, uh, Germany is so much better at everything than we are, uh, so they are likely to get their football underway first. So we want to be on board with that. Crook and I want some skin in the game. Uh, so we, we want a team to adopt. So we've decided to sort of generate a little bit of traction. And last week when we did this, so many people got in touch with us. The Bundesliga retweeted us. But we had loads of different teams get in touch as well. So like Union Berlin, uh, Gladbach, Cologne, all got involved. Eintracht Frankfurt even retweeted it as well. So we sort of narrowed it down to a few teams. Borussia Dortmund's always been a bit of a fave of mine. So we thought we would get the man on to convince us that Borussia Dortmund is right. We're going to do this with other teams as well. Uh, but Lars Pullman uh, is uh, pretty much Mr. Dortmund. Hello, how are you? Uh, that's too much of an honour, thanks. Hi. <laughs> Look, we, we, we have, we've narrowed it down. Union Berlin, Borussia Mönchengladbach, Cologne, Borussia Dortmund. You're a big Dortmund man. Um, we know what the fans are like. They are immense. But what does the club stand for? Tell us why we should adopt Borussia Dortmund. Well, I would say Dortmund are an easy club to root for in, in many ways. Um, they are not the most successful club in Germany, which is nice because you don't want to jump on a bandwagon. I mean, you're not going to be Bayern fans, I hope. Right. Well, we we're trying to ban him. He reckons he started uh, out by saying that he was going to be a, a, a Bayern fan, but we banned that. Yeah, that's that's the easy way out, I think. Um, they are successful still. I mean, uh, you, you don't want to follow a team that, that loses all their games. Um, they, they play most of the time anyway, exciting football. They have a lot of exciting young talent, young English talent even, in Jaden Sancho, which I'm sure uh, plays a part for you guys. And generally, I think, uh, as I said, a club that's easy to root for. Um, no problematic sponsors from Qatar, no uh, human rights violations anywhere to be seen. Uh, relatively 
liberal uh, approach to many things. Um, yeah, generally speaking, I think this is just a, one of these solid, decent German clubs that a lot of uh, Brits also like to come to to the games. Obviously, because you know the the Westfalenstadion, as it used to be called, the Signal Iduna Park now the yellow wall with 25,000 people on one south stand I mean doesn't get better than that it's interesting you mentioned Jaden Sancho there because I think that is um, a reason a lot of fans in this country can can really hang on the coattails of Dortmund he's such an exciting player isn't he? he's had a fantastic season I personally can't support Borussia Dortmund I'm gonna to have to make that Why? disclaimer now Why? Uh, because of one man Lars Ricken uh, because he scored the goal that knocked Manchester United out of the Champions League uh, way back in 1997. So I'm out Rocky. in terms of Dortmund. I've never forgiven him. Um, so whatever you say, Lars, it just isn't going to happen for me. <laughs> OK, I, I reckon we can change his mind, though. If you tell us how good the beer and the food is, it, he'll swing. He's not He's not as loyal as he makes out. Dortmund actually was the beer capital of Germany, uh, if you would believe. I mean, obviously, I think a lot of foreigners think beer is more of a Bavarian thing here. Uh, but uh, in, in all honesty, Dortmund was the capital of beer, steel and football. And beer and steel have kind of gone over the last you know, two decades or so. And I think uh, no actual big beer company still produces in Dortmund. So all that's left is football. But, you know, the Dortmunders still very much like their beer and the food. I mean, you are, you are British, so you might uh, appreciate, you know, the, the, the fatty, salty stuff uh, sold around football games. But I personally would say it's not necessarily my favorite. <laughs> it's definitely his favorite. Oh, talk about teeing him up, Lars. Thanks very much for that. I mean, I mean away from Sancho, if you're going to adopt a club, you need you need a cult hero, someone who, who probably isn't the best footballer in, in the world. But who would be Dortmund's cult hero at this moment in time? Someone that we can, we can grasp onto. Right. At this moment, kind of a, a bit tough to find, a, a, you know, in, in the essence of the word, a, a cult hero, because there's Marco Reus, obviously. He's kind of has a similar story to Kevin Großkreutz in that he is actually from Dortmund, was also a Dortmund fan, had to leave the club uh, in uh, the youth department because he was too small or deemed too small to play uh, a decent football for the club. Came back and obviously now uh, is the captain and, and kind of the, the figurehead of the team and also many would say the best player on the team. So that kind of rules him out for the cult hero department. So I will say someone that a lot of fans like more than people appreciate his footballing acumen, if you like, uh, is Marcel Schmelzer. He used to be a, a regular starter at left back, but he's kind of been phased out over the last let's say two or three years and, and he's only playing, you know, mop-up duty nowadays, but fans really appreciate all he's done for the club and he's, I think, 31 or 32, so definitely also on his last legs. Um, what's the city like? Because I've been to the Westfalen Stadion and um, the, the museum's great. I, I, I love walking around it and I love being in the stadium itself. It's a little bit old, isn't it? But it's, it's still a nice sort of charismatic stadium. The noise is fantastic, but there's not much in the vicinity is there what's the city of Dortmund like for if you know, if we, you know cuz we let's be honest about it we're thinking about this for a sneaky weekend away so we can get out and have a bit of fun i mean is, is dortmund really the place to do that if you center your fun around football then i'm sure you're going to have a great time and i know a lot of uh, people coming from uh, britain but also the us or other places in the world that come watching a game of football, spend the night before, the night after. I think they all have a lovely time, uh, especially if they meet up with other football fans, which there's no short supply of in Dortmund, obviously. 
Well, if if you were to like spend a, a week's vacation in Dortmund, I think you would probably be best served to go hop on a train somewhere else and come back for the game. So what you're saying is Dortmund is is the Wigan of the Bundesliga. I haven't been to Wigan, but uh, if you say so, <laughs> you haven't missed much. Uh, Lars, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us. We really appreciate it, and uh, we'll get back to you on our choice. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I, I would expect that. Yes. <laughs> thank you. So much feedback on this, by the way, absolutely went off last week on Twitter, mainly because um, I think everybody wants to get involved in this as well. They want something to look forward to. But also the Bundesliga tweeted about it. Loads of the clubs tweeted about it. It was amazing, wasn't it? It was sensational. Yeah, I couldn't believe the reaction, um, actually. <laughs> uh, it just shows how much love there is for German football and, uh, you know, not, not just in, in Germany, but a lot of English-based fans getting us in touch as well, trying yeah. to sway us towards the, their favourite team. I do have an admission um, on last week's podcast. I made a, a bit of an error, and I'm sure if you if you follow football in Berlin, actually it was quite a big error, because uh, if you remember, I said I was uh, on a stag do in Berlin and yeah. I saw Union Berlin promoted yeah. to the Bundesliga. Well, my nephew, Adam, who stagged who it was, has actually informed me that it was Hertha Berlin we saw. Oh, it was a really good stag do then, was it? <laughs> <laughs> I can only blame that on the strong German Pilsner. Uh, OK, let's have a look. We, you never know. We might be adopting them. We may be adopting somebody else. But I think we should do this. Uh, Matt Fennick, Werder Bremen, one club city. This is good. Who everyone supports. Cracking fans. History plus amazing stadium. It's right in the centre with funky bars surrounding it. You can't go wrong with Werder. Oh, that sounds right up our street. Uh, Simon goes on to say, Hertha Berlin, there they are again. Great city, food, lovely old ground with history, awesome fans yeah. and atmosphere behind the goal. I can vouch for that. Um, yeah. The cons, <laughs> uh, he says the club won't be higher than mid-table. Massive right. stadium that's never full. That's, that's probably right. more for you, isn't it, being a Chelsea fan? That's all right. That's, uh, no. Um, that's all right. That's good. I like that. Dave Jones says, Union Berlin, brilliant atmosphere, ground tucked away in woodland. Oh, love the terracing. Terracing. Uh, reminds me of how English football used to be. And Union Berlin actually themselves got in touch with us and basically said, why is there a debate about this? We are here. Which made me fall in love with, love with them even more. It's crook. Come on, we need two each, right? And then we're going to put it out to a poll, I think, to our listeners and then they can decide. And then we have to stick with it. I think we should support the, the, the same team so we could get really into it. Okay, well, Hertha Berlin has to be up there, um, right. having been at their promotion party and Without not being it. able to remember it. Yeah. Um, and for me, the other one that I would consider is RB Leipzig, because, of course, uh, no, I'm a big fan of Ralph Hasenhutl, as you know. It's just money. They've not even been He's got an about. affiliation there. They're an exciting team to watch. Yeah, I'd, I'd chuck them into the mix as well. And I can't believe they're the most hated club in German football better to be hated than ignored right so i be rb leipzig just for you. you you have to throw something controversial in i want union berlin because they've got a stadium that's in the woodland and the one with the funky bars i think was Werder bremen i think uh, Werder bremen one club city everyone supports matt fenwick come up with that one um it, it, it's a stadium right in the center of town and it's got funky bars around it and that's just swayed it for me so there's our four hertha berlin rb leipzig union berlin and Werder Bremen. Poor old Lars, who spent a good six or seven minutes trying to convince us to uh, get on board with Borussia Dortmund, lost us at there's nothing in the city, stay somewhere else, didn't he? <laughs> he lost me at Lars Ricken. <laughs> okay, there's a poll on my Twitter, at Sam Matterface. We'll whittle it down once we've decided there's no going back. 
One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Let's do our first big interview of the week. Troy Deeney is going to feature on Upfront over the next couple of days. But I had a little chat with him about isolation too this week. And this is what he had to say about what he was up to. Well, everyone knows I've been doing your unbelievable quiz. That's uh, <laughs> that's Friday night sorted. That's that's as um, crazy as it gets in the Deeney household. But um, you haven't you haven't told me what score you've been getting though. We did all right. We got um, thirty nine out of fifty. Ooh, that's the, good. Um, on the last week, yeah. And then two of them was we should have had two more, but you know when it's in house fighting. Yeah. So two we went with the majority. So and the two that got it wrong. Um, I wasn't part of, shall we say. Just that. <laughs> There's a bit of finger pointing going on after that. Yeah, There's definitely. always one person who said, I told you it was that. Yeah, definitely. Um, but no, we've been doing good. Um, what's, honestly, just enjoying the time. Um, doing a bit of puzzles as well, some brain training for myself. Just, again, reading. Nothing, nothing weird and wonderful. Just want to get to a, a place in my life where I'm comfortable just being me and I'm not having to chase everything and get out and, and be playing football all the time and my life revolve around football. How are you keeping fit? I'm fortunate, mate. I've got a, I've got a gym and a pool in this house. Have so you? I'm yeah, I'm I'm very fortunate. I can train properly. I've got this like little app thing that goes on my um my treadmill. So if I can't be bothered, you know like when you get on a treadmill you really can't be bothered to do anything. I just put on Quite one of their little <laughs> Yeah <laughs> I just put on one of their little um their little thing. So this morning I did a forty-five minute run in Hawaii. Ooh. So it just took yeah, it took my mind away from from being in the uh, in the same room that I've been in for the last three weeks. Uh, and just did forty-five minute jog. And it was nice, just again, yeah, just to break it up. And then I'll probably go for a swim with the kids a bit later on, and and that'll be it for today. Really, not not too much as a as I did a tough day yesterday. How how, how high tech is that? I mean, is is it virtual reality goggles and stuff, and you actually feel like you're in Hawaii, or or is it? Or no, is it just it's genuinely on the just, it's just a screen. <laughs> it's just a screen, and um, I just focus on that because, again, it is lovely being at home. But I've been in the in the gym, it's just one room, isn't it? And I'm I've probably spent about three hours a, a day in there, probably mm. the last three weeks. So I'm getting to that point now where I'm either deciding whether I should paint it or just 
break something so it just looks a bit different. <laughs> uh, but you'll be ready when, when when you can play again. I suppose you can't wait to get playing again. Definitely. I think I think what this has done for anyone involved in sport, and, and actually just the, the wider public, anyone who's used to watching sport, I think there's only so many Sky reruns we can watch or BT reruns, and you're just like, I just want to get back to it. The thing that's been interesting to me is to see how, how much football dominates everything from news to interactions on social media like literally nobody has anything to talk about now as football is you know dead in the dead in the water so um it's been interesting to that but it's definitely relit the fire for me um i missed a large part of this season obviously being injured so i wanted to come back and, and, and make a bit of an imprint but this is my 10th year at watford as well so the start of the season i had this really you know, fairy tale thing of like this is going to be my best year. I'm going to show everybody I've been injured, and then we've had a pandemic, so it's uh, probably going to have to try that in the eleventh year now. <laughs> now we heard that he's been playing my quiz on a Friday night, which is back this week, eight o'clock on the Twitter page, the Talksport Twitter page with Justy. Um, but Crooked was uh, another night that we spent with Troy last Monday. Me, you, Stuart Pierce taking on the might of Watford, uh, Troy, uh, one of the press officers, and. Michael Ricketts, the former England international, in a quiz. It was us versus them. It was dramatic. But let's be honest, we smashed them, didn't we? Well, we got off to an absolute flyer, didn't we? Uh, the Watford press officer who wrote the quiz devised a higher or lower round, yeah. which basically we went through all 20 clubs in the Premier League. He gave us a, a player and we had to work out if the next player had played more or less games than the previous. And we, we did really well at that. We, I think we were about of our 16 job. points clear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Laura Woods and Fernandinho to come, but in this time of limited contact and managers and the press so distant, it's unbelievable. We've asked the arch impersonator Ian Dante to remind us of some classic managerial meltdowns. But this week, we were expecting him to come up with a special impression. But I hear you failed. Failure, that, that's, a, that's a very dangerous word to use there, Sam. <laughs> I always prefer to use the phrase work in progress. Oh, right, OK. All I'm saying is, is, is it's like you know, sometimes you go on the internet and you order something and they say it will be with you in six days and then you find out it's actually going to be 14 days. And it is quite a disappointment. I mean, the, the story behind this is, is that Lucy, our producer... Uh, she asked you to do me, but yeah, yes. yeah, you're still you're still working on it. I take it. Well, yeah, yeah. You you use that analogy about a delivery. What if the delivery turned up and it wasn't what you ordered, and you weren't happy? You'd send it straight back. Exactly, exactly. How far have you got though, Dan? Can you give us any little oh, uh, matter but, face snippet? No, well, you see, this is you've got to wait. Sometimes with an impression, sometimes it's like one one word that can unlock it. For Trevor Francis, it was the word because he says crossbar. When he used to do his match analysis, he never said the ball hit the bar. He always said crossbar. And he said it with that sort of Devon draw, crossbar. So that, <laughs> but it's weird how that one word just unlocks everything. Yeah. With David O'Leary, it was the word toast. When he had unveiling <laughs> the last villa manager, toast. Because he was talking about having a, a slice of toast with Doug Ellis. Ah. So something clicks in my brain with 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 a with a voice with one word and that can unlock everything so 
Uh, Sam, please don't, please don't be insulted that I haven't quite got you yet. <laughs> I'm not insulted. Trust He's me. relieved, I think. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> delighted. <laughs> In, imitation being the sincerest form of flattery, <laughs> let's have it right. You should be chuffed that, you know, it is a work in progress. I am. And I, I bet Crookie's thinking the same as well. Yeah, he, he is. <laughs> he was gutted last week when he found out that you were doing me. He went, why is he doing me? Why is he doing me? And Lucy and was like... personally familiar to one of our other colleagues who keeps asking me that. We'll say no more. <laughs> I don't think I actually did say that, by the way. Um, oh. And there the comparisons end. What, what about our guest this week, Dance? Because we've got a star-studded lineup already. We've got Ricky Lambert. Surely you can do Ricky Lambert. Even I can try and do Ricky Lambert. Um, well, I guess it's just that kind of, you know, scouse type. I don't know. I don't know whether he's got any any particular kinds of, you know, idiosyncrasies in his voice. I don't know. Actually, it sounds like more like Ricky Lambert than Ricky Lambert, to be fair. Okay, good. That's a good start then. Marvellous. Well, let's get to your uh, package this week. What have you got for us? I thought I'd go in a slightly different direction. Rather than the managerial meltdowns coming from the managers, it's from those who are interviewing them in the press conferences. There are so many occasions where a phone has gone off. When you two and I started doing this line of work, to record a post-match or a pre-match interview with a manager, you had a cassette recorder, yeah. didn't you? Really? It was called a Marantz, and you were at the, ever at the mercy of the cassette inside that machine that it wasn't going to chew itself up. Then came mini-discs, and now everyone uses their phone because it's broadcast quality. But uh, I've got a couple of examples here where a phone's gone off, and... Two very, very different reactions from two very, very different managers. First, a reaction in a pre-match presser from the then Ipswich boss, Roy Keane, to a phone going off. And then a post-match reaction at Turf Moor to a phone going off from Sean Dyche. We see cheating going on all the time in games. Players dive and when I'm asked about it, I say, yeah, the game's full of it. Should he be stopped from cheating? Yeah, of course. Nobody wants to cheat. Whose phone is that? That's the second time it's gone off. Uh, it's it's my phone, so it's... Why did you turn it off? No, this is the second time it's gone off. Why did you put it on silent? No, it's not the second time. Why didn't you turn it off? Well, I'll turn it off in a minute. You're just going to let it ring? Well, I just thought I'd let it ring out. All oh, right, that's... That's good manners. So to keep that focus, to maintain our belief in training, maintain the work ethic so that when they're called upon, they're ready. Great signs of that again today. That's a fine if, if someone's phone's ringing. It's a fine. Mr Richardson. Hello? Yeah, good, thanks. It's Sean Dyche, manager of Burnley. Who's that? It's Sean Dyche, the manager of Burnley Football Club. There was a phone on my table. I'm actually doing an interview and you rang to disturb me, so I thought I'd just answer it and see what you was disturbing me about. Yeah, no worries. Would you, uh, would you like your mate? Would you like your mate? Okay. You going out tonight? A few beers or what? Okay, decent. Take care. Bye. See you later. Great, Sean Dyche and Roy Keane. Loved that. And more of that next week with Dance. And he's got a podcast where he does tons of characters. Ian Danter's Barmy Old Podcast, which is out every Monday and you can get it from the usual places.
Have you heard the TalkSport Breakfast Show with Laura Woods, Ali McCoyst and Freddie Flintoff? Cracking listen. Uh, really good. Good chemistry between all of them. Some fun stuff as well. And Freddie, I think, is brilliant acquisition. Really good. I know you've been uh, on it quite a few times, Crook. Yeah, he's great, isn't he? I mean, you never quite know where he's going to go. Um, the other day, for example, I mentioned Steve Bruce and suddenly he had a story about how Steve Bruce had rescued him in a restaurant in Dubai when his credit card wouldn't work and Steve Bruce was in the same restaurant and paid his bill, basically. <laughs> so he certainly keeps us on our toes. And sometimes I do feel like Laura, uh, when Ali and Freddie are together, is almost like a schoolmistress trying to keep a hold on two unruly children but it's great fun uh, well Laura's been uh, chatting to Fernandinho this week uh, but they were so busy on that breakfast show telling stories like that, that they couldn't fit it all in so they generously have given it to us for you to listen to in the interview he talks about the most influential people in his career and about what he still wants to achieve and Laura starts with those influences they teach me a lot of things about football but more, more important for me is time about the life, you know, about the human being, to be a good person, to be a very good human being, because sometimes your football career is going to end, so my time is going to be soon, but the man lives forever, so I never forget about that when they told me, and after that, Ukraine, uh, I have a very good coach as well, Mircea Luchescu, and come to City with Manuel Pellegrini and uh, Pep Guardiola right now. But a lot of, you know, people who I have had a relationship during my lifetime and uh, they helped me a lot. And one of the things I always, I always being proud of was I was open and able to listen to people and try to put in practice what they told me. Suppose now you've got time to reflect back on your career and, and what you've done up until this point, because there's so much time to play with now. So when you look back at your career and everything that you have achieved with, with Brazil and, and with City and previous teams that you've been a part of as well. How proud are you and what are the moments that you're most proud of? If I look back when I was like a kid and uh, we played football in the, in the streets and uh, full of, you know, we dream a lot and uh, full of expectation in the future. We, we didn't know what comes in the future, so we just dream but step by step day by day week by week we went through of course everyone with the, your difficulty you know families and and the schools and education in brazil was a little bit hard was poor when you look back now you see okay i win i win because where i come from most of the people they stop in the so and i am keep going i achieve I achieve a very good level and uh, I am so grateful for, you know, everything I I passed during this time because this teach me to be a better person. I always say the man, the human being can't stop to, to dream, you know, you have to dream always. So I always say that you have to respect the people and uh, have to work hard because you never know the day of tomorrow. You never know the day of tomorrow. Finally, when football does come back and you can hear the fans, how special do you think that moment will be? And have you thought about it? Uh, yes, I have, I have thought about that. And uh, so, I, you know, I think it's going to be a very good time, you know, for everyone, for everyone, especially now 
we are reflecting about the situation we are living right now. But after that, I think most of the people, they, they're going to change the way they live. They're going to change the way to treat the people. They're going to change a lot, of, a lot of things, you know, inside them. And I hope everyone can get better, you know. So, and of course, when the public come back to the stadium to watch the games, the Premier League games, it's going to be a pleasure for everyone. And uh, for sure, it's going to be one of the happiest moments of for everyone. No football means not much work to do for our illustrious team of game day reporters who trek heartily up and down the country every weekend for talk sport, but are now confined to the house. Let's check in with one of them now and see how they are handling their commentary confinement. Kevin Hatchard usually commentates on the Bundesliga and is uh, our European correspondent. Hello, Kevin. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, Sam. Very well. That's good. It's a very positive, positive response. I like that. Um, is lockdown treating you okay? Are, have you found other things to do apart from commentate on Bundesliga games? Yeah, plenty to do, actually. The homeschooling has been demanding. Um, my eldest, Maya, pretty much looks after herself, but Rishi is a bit more labour-intensive, so he needs to be uh, kind of guided through. There have been a few uh, creative differences. Uh, we made... Uh, <laughs> A video about mangoes and I had my vision and he had his, but we got there in the end. They are divisive, those mangoes, aren't they? Always, always, always the sticking point with the mangoes. Uh, well, did, you we, want to, did you want to display their juiciness and he wanted to talk about taste? What was it? Uh, I wanted a kind of range of stuff you could do with mangoes. Okay. With that shot. Uh, but we we came to a compromise in the end. I also saw that um, that you you won the inaugural Bundesliga commentators quiz. Is that right? I did. You I did. really Lots are of... the Bundesliga man. Then <laughs> uh, it was it was nice to kind of have some stats to underline that. Now I can kind of uh, have that branding and uh, have it legitimately. So I was I was delighted with that. Uh, and I've uh, won the family quiz, the Hatchard Hutchinson family quiz, uh, three weeks running now. So I'm on form. I'm delighted. Nobody likes to show off, Kev, do they? Um, you're a big sci-fi man. You have a wonderful array of T-shirts from various Star Wars films and, and, and other such. Like, have you, have you been getting your Star Wars fix? Have you done anything different during this period around that? Uh, we've been uh, re-watching films in order. Um, the kids have enjoyed that very much. I've uh, been watching The Mandalorian. So that's oh, been a lot. I love The well, Mandalorian. Oh, it's great. The Wild West vibe is yeah. brilliant. So that's been superb. Been playing some Star Wars games as well. And of course, the big day's coming up, May the 4th. So uh, making preparations for that. So so yes, the Star Wars fix has been very much uh, catered for. You might be back in the commentary box before Sam and me, though, because the Bundesliga seems to be much more advanced than, than the Premier League. Where, where do you stand on that? I think they've done a lot of good work, the DFL. I think they've cooperated with the authorities in the way that you have to. They have been set... Uh, a task to go away and come up with a workable medical protocol. Uh, and they've worked with the national team doctor to do that. Uh, I've spoken to, to people quite high up at some clubs who are quite positive about whether it can actually work. There are difficulties, of course, uh, in terms of uh, the logistics of it and in terms of what happens if uh, players do contract the virus. Uh, and now it's in the hands of the politicians uh, this week. Uh, they're meeting to uh, to discuss it. I've been told there might not be a hard and fast decision with this first meeting, but there is another meeting uh, next week, uh, which could be when the, be when the green light is finally given. They've been working to 
a date of May the 9th. Uh, I think it's probably more realistic for that to be a week or two later, although Christian Seifert, who's the, the DFL boss, says that if it's May the 9th, then we're ready to go. So they've done a huge amount of work to get to this position, but they're very conscious that the final decision is not in their hands. I thought this was quite interesting. You said that they've worked on protocols in Germany uh, for what happens when somebody gets coronavirus. And, and that's the key thing, I think, that we have to understand and the Premier League have to also find out. And they do appear, as I, as I understand it, they really are taking the lead from Germany on this. Um, what is the protocol if someone gets coronavirus? Because somebody will. So the, the way they're looking at it, my understanding is this, that they will have regular uh, temperature checks and throat swabs and nasal swabs, uh, and they will uh, be checking on the player's health every single day. But the key day is the day before match day. So say you have a, a Saturday kickoff, Friday morning, all of the players would be given uh, an antibody test, and those results would come through on the first, uh, first thing Saturday. Then you'll be able to assess whether a player or several players have somehow contracted the virus. And this is going to rely on discipline. This is going to rely on players isolating when they need to isolate, because if they don't, the whole thing falls apart. Say you have player X who does contract the virus, you will know if the rest of the squad have it. If they don't, then you can isolate that player, and they will obviously have to then go through the standard quarantine procedures. Where it's a little vague at this stage is that it's then down to the club to notify the individual regional health authority. Now, that may be different depending on what state this happens in. Right. So it, it won't be a, a federal government decision. It won't be anything to do with the clubs. The clubs will report it, and then it's down to those regional health authorities to make a decision about whether they think the entire squad should be quarantined or whether it's just that one player. So it is fragile. They know that. They're well aware of the political optics of how many tests they're going to be using, but it will be the DFL who pay for all of those tests, and they've made a donation on top of that of €500,000 for other testing outside of football. Okay. So, so, so the way I understand it then is that you'll probably get a situation where, and people will have to be patient about this, you will have games that are called off on a Saturday morning because a team has contracted coronavirus. That is what may well happen, and you might just have to accept that. In theory, no. And the reason I'd say no is because what you'll know by Saturday is because the players have all received a test on the Friday, um, you will know whether those players have the virus. So the theory is that, say, one of the players did have it, um, you would also know how many of the other players have it. So in theory, they could proceed. But as I said, the DFL have been very, very keen to stress. They know this is a fragile thing. They've done everything they can to set up this process. Interestingly, the Federal um, Ministry of Labour in Germany this week said that they think it is a workable process. That, to me, feels like the first step towards a green light. It's only one step, but it is a step. And I think from the people I've spoken to within German football, they do seem positive that they've dotted the I's, they've crossed the T's, and this is something that can actually work going forward.
Other stories this week include Moyes Keane embarrassing himself by having a party. Well done. That's going to help everyone, isn't it? Um, any other business that you wanted to bring up and discuss this week? I suppose the big story is all about the resumption and possibly not resuming of the of the Premier League. There's not really much else going around. I mean, the, the transfer story, Ed Woodward saying that there ain't going to be really ma- massive transfers is, is sort of a hangover from last weekend, which I thought went under the radar a little bit. Yeah, Ralph Hasenhutl was speaking about that this week as well. He's back home in Munich, actually. Big German feel to the podcast this week. Yes. Uh, drawing up a list of summer targets for Southampton. But he's basically said that he thinks uh, transfer fees are going to come crashing down uh, on the back of this pandemic. Uh, for Southampton, it's not just about buying players. Of course, uh, if you're a buying club, you're probably in a stronger position now because you can get players slightly cheaper than you would have been able to before. But they've got a lot of players they need to shift off the wage bill. And clearly, clubs are not going to pay as much money for them as maybe they would have done in the recent past. OK, uh, let's get to uh, your interview with Ricky Lambert, then talking of Southampton. He talks about some of the uh, former colleagues that he was in touch with whilst he was at St Mary's. Billy Sharp, James Ward-Browse, Oxlade-Chamberlain and Adam Lalana. When I joined Ads, he was uh, obviously, he was talked that he was going to leave because I think Southampton got relegated twice. Uh, so we we done well to keep keep holes on him and then to be round him and see how good he was and then to see him improve was frightening. He, he clicked into gear, like I said. Uh, Atkins, the form, the formation he was playing, the the way we were playing, Adam thrived in it, and everything went through Adam. We just we just dominated teams throughout the season. It was a pleasure. I, I that's one of my best seasons I've enjoyed as a footballer in the championship. Mate, the the way we played, the way we went about it. We played some lovely football and it was all about attacking and all about scoring goals. And like I said, playing with ads was one of the highlights of my career. And if you look at the, the players around you then as well, I mean, many of them have, have, are still playing at the highest level now. I mean, Billy Sharp came that season and um, scored some important goals. He's finally got his chance in the Premier League. James Ward-Prowse obviously is Mr. Southampton now in in many ways. Yeah. Alana is yeah. about to win the Premier League title. Morgan Schneidlin went on and, and played for Manchester United. That was a heck of a group of players you had. It was unbelievable, mate. And we had that in League One and Oxlade-Chamberlain, like you said, um, Luke Shaw. We had, we had an unbelievable team and we kept, we managed to keep a core core of it. Mentioned mention Billy Sharp. He was unbelievable that year. He scored some so important goals that year. What, what changed the game from a loss into a draw or a draw into a win and it was a vital um, inclusion into our squad that year, something that we desperately needed. And obviously the first year in the Premier League was a bit of a scrap for survival, certainly for the first half of the season. But looking back now, eight years later, obviously they've had their heady days in Europe and cup finals, but Southampton have established themselves now as a, as a Premier League club. How much pride does that give you as, as you were there at the start? Massive pride, mate. Massive pride. And, um, I'm very proud to help put uh, Southampton, Southampton back to where they belong, mate. And, it doesn't surprise me to see them see them challenging for the uh, UEFA spots and to see them get to the the league cup final a couple of, a few years ago was was absolutely superb mate it was yeah it was incredible i'm i'm confident they're going to stay up this season with this manager and i think they're they're going to i think with a new owner as well i think i think he, the the owner wants to sell and if we can get a new owner in time for next season i think I think they'll start pushing again. Do you feel a bit sorry for Danny Ings? Because obviously you were someone who earned your England cap at Southampton. I think under normal circumstances, we'd be looking forward to the European Championships and he would probably, especially when you look at the injuries and his form, be on the plane for the Euros and they've been cancelled. I mean, how will he be feeling right now? I don't think he'll be thinking any 
down thoughts. I think he, his mentality is superb, mate. And he'll be thinking, he'll just be thinking he's going to continue what he's doing. And it doesn't matter when them Euros are going to come, whether it's going to be the next year or when. I think his form, he's, he's good enough to continue his form. I think he would have been a success at Liverpool, to be honest, if it, if he didn't have the injuries he did. And, and, I think he might not have got the games he, he was going to do at, at the end. So I think it was a brilliant move for him to go to Southampton. I know he was a Southampton fan and I, I knew both of them would just click together. And so to see him doing so well is, is brilliant. But I played with him a little bit at Liverpool, mate, and I was shocked how good he is. He is, he is very good, very, very good. Um, and I can see him going on to do even better next season. Ricky Lambert there speaking to uh, Alex Crook, which was another good interview. Uh, we've brought you so many good interviews today on the programme. He was talking about uh, all those big-known players, Billy Sharp, James Ward-Prowse, Oxlade Chamberlain, Adam Lallana, so many. Uh, Luke Shaw, all have gone on to, to great things. And Southampton's recruitment policy has sort of changed over time. I mean, one, who gets the credit for all those big name players or was it just luck and what changes have been made now do you think well I'm sure if we got Les Reed on the podcast now in a senior position at the FA he would claim credit for all of those signings but it wasn't him uh, Nicola Cortese um, as Ricky also told me was a, a massive driving force certainly in their promotion from League One to the Premier League then they had a recruitment guru by the name of Paul Mitchell who actually followed Maurizio Pochettino to Tottenham didn't really work out for him there he, he went over to Germany and he's been doing great things over there so I think He's been a big loss. They've never really yeah. been able to replace him and their recruitment in the last two or three years has been dreadful, uh, in all honesty. Um, okay, so what are you doing this week? Um, I take it buying a new laptop has gone to the top of the list, has it? It's up there, isn't it? Although, although we've got through this podcast, I mean, maybe just my computer about. is just having a bad day. Yeah, uh, I'd, def- I'd, def- I'd definitely uh, start shopping. Um, and, and maybe a rematch with Troy Deeney and his, and, his, and his pals this week. I fancy our chances, even on general knowledge, you know. Well, I don't know. General oh, knowledge know. might be. See, you, you, we're, we're now be, getting far too cocky collectively. Uh, that's well, I that's started going to be our and then, and, and then reined it back halfway through, didn't we? <laughs> we'll see what happens. Uh, thank you very much for downloading the pod and listening to it. We'll be back with you next week. I'll be on the Saturday session from Saturday at one o'clock with Stuart Pearce and Perry Groves. And remember, on Friday nights on Talksport, we do the Just Eat Football Pub Quiz, eight pm on the Twitter page you'll be able to play for £50 worth of Just Eat vouchers. Thanks for listening. See you soon. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions, we share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.